Hello and welcome to Tash Talks, the podcast. Get ready to boss up and slay the game with the ultimate platform for fierce female entrepreneurs like you. My intention for this podcast is to arm you with the most powerful tips, cutting edge tools and transformative teachings that will activate your next level. The go-to destination for unmissable and unfiltered badass conversations. I'm your host, Natasha Clark, mindset and business coach and founder of the Soul Strategy Method, helping you to unlock the power of your unconscious mind while mastering strategies to build a profitable and pleasurable business. We are here here to redefine success success. one One boss boss move move at a time. Hello, my gorgeous soul, and welcome back to another episode of the Tash Talks podcast. I've just got to say, I am loving you guys DMing me sending me emails about how much you're loving the podcast honestly means the absolute world to me and I'll be honest I didn't think I would love it as much as I do because I love lives and I love doing videos and I'm very animated I was like "Mm, I wonder how the podcast is gonna go but I am loving it so I'm just so glad that you guys are loving it too okay so I'm gonna be really honest shock horror (laughs) but I feel a little bit nervous about this episode not really too sure why So I can't even really articulate into words, but it's the long-awaited story. It's my story. It's my journey of how the hell did a lost, (laughs) broke-ass ex-dancer become a six-figure badass in business? Well, I suppose it's probably best that we start at the beginning. I just want to add that I am going back over probably... 20 years so I just want to say if I'm struggling to remember details like it isn't easy and there's parts of my story that probably feel a bit cloudy and I'm not going to know all the the juicy kind of details of like I'm, I've never been really good at dates I've got some friends that go oh yeah in February 2022 this happened and I'm like how do you remember that so I just want to say I'm going back over about 20 years so just just bear with me okay it's kind of like a big overview <laughs> So let's go back. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I always wanted to be a dancer. Like always, ever such, ever since I can actually remember. I remember lining up all my teddies and all my dolls. And then what I used to do is perform a show to them. But I used to perform it to them in front of like our mirror. We had those wardrobes that they were like three part wardrobes. And we all had a court, like a, a third of the wardrobe each. And on one of the doors was a mirror and it used to open up and I used to open it up and I used to have the teddies and the dolls either side of me and I used to perform a show. But I'd also do it as if I was on a TV reality show as well. So it'd be like, cut, and then I'm going, oh, goodness. Oh, wow, that was oh, that was hot. That was sweaty. That was tough. Okay, we're going again in five, four. Okay, guys, ready? Hold the phone, hold the phone. Like I pretend as if the press were at the door. Like, honestly, <laughs> my imagination would just go freaking wild. And I loved it. And I would be pretending that would be on the stage of like MTV Awards, okay? That that was the kind of dream. I always wanted to be like a commercial dancer. And I begged my mum to send me to dance school. And, you know, dance schools were not cheap. Um, And she finally gave in. And also, can I just say, she had three kids that all wanted to do different activities on different days. I mean, how she did it, I don't know. I say it to her now, hats off to you. Like running businesses, and uno chico, one little bambino, is 
it's a whole lot. <laughs> so I just don't know how my mum done it with three of us. I mean, I put it down to we were just obviously very good kids. Not. I mean, I was a little terror, but that's a whole whole different podcast. <laughs> so back to the story. She finally gave in and I went to a our local dance school, which was called Irene Hayes Stage School. And it was honestly the best days of my life. I remember I would finish school. So obviously when I was younger in primary school, mum would always drop me. And then as I got older and went to secondary school, we'd get like the bus. And it was me and my best friend at the time. And we used to um, get our little bus and we used to walk through the estate. I can't remember what the estate was called now, but it was um, in, it was Elephant and Castle. It's a famous estate now, but it's actually been knocked down, but I can't remember. We used to walk through this estate and we were literally like, <laughs> a scene from fame you know when you've got the bags on you've kind of got the your dance shoes it'd be the jazz boots around your neck and your hair scuffed up and you're vibing and you're playing music like it was literally like that <laughs> honestly it was so so good and I remember when we used to go to secondary school I then had to split my time because I was also in the swim team so I would go and on some days I would have to go and swim first and then get two buses to then meet my best friend, to then get the next bus, to then actually go to dance school and be there till probably around nine-ish. I think we finished and then mum would always come pick me up from there. So um, was I massively into swimming? I really enjoyed swimming and and I was actually training in this team to be training for the Olympics. There's a, a little a little story for you there that most people probably didn't even know. But I was always the dancer. Like that was that was the dream. And eventually I actually had to drop swimming because it just became too much. Like I was, you know, we, I wanted, I was studying with my GCSEs and I really had to kind of laser my focus in and there was no way, no way I was going to drop dancing. No matter how many teachers told me that, you know, I was too busy and that I needed a plan B just in case the performing arts didn't work out and blah, 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 blah. I was never a plan B type of person. I was like, I'm making it. I'm going to be megaly, megaly famous. Like, People are going to know my name. I am going to be the dancer, the choreographer, like that. I am. I'm that person. So just just save your breath because I don't need to hear it. So as you can hear, life was pretty busy, but I loved it. I, I always loved that kind of busy bee kind of vibe. So I dropped the swimming and I could focus on my dancing. After then, once people obviously got your GCC results, and I just want to say i done very, very well. I got, oh, this is testing me now. I think three A's, one A star, a couple of B's, and I got one D. And D was in French, which I never wanted to take, but my mum made me take it because she said, your sisters definitely will help you. My sister Stephanie was shocking at French. <laughs> so I have no idea why I listened to my mum, but when you're 15, you, well, actually it was younger, wasn't it? Because you started it in probably when you start school, so probably about 12. Of course you listened to your mum. So I took French and obviously got a D. Should never have done it. Should have learned Spanish. I've been in a very different position now. If you've listened to my other podcast about me talking about my Spanish speaking <laughs> never ending goal, this could be a whole different podcast. It probably, I probably absolutely, I could be famous in Spain. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. This is what happens. I go off on these tangents, then I've got to keep reining myself back in. So most people want, oh yeah, so I done really well in my GCSEs, but I had to work hard. I was a hustler. My sisters, I've got an older sister and a baby sister, younger sister, and they're both very naturally um, intelligent. They just pick things up. They were just always really smart and really good at school. I was the 
the performer that had to work really, really hard. But I didn't really, I wanted to work hard because I wanted to get good grades. And I also wanted to please my parents, you know, as you do. Um, but I always thought it didn't really matter because I'm going to be a, a star. So it, it really doesn't matter. So most people then went on to like, I say normal inverted commas, but you know what I mean? Like colleges. I obviously was not made for that life. I auditioned for dance school. So that was going to be my college where you still study uh, academic studies, but the main focus is, is dancing, acting, singing. So I auditioned for, you probably have heard of it, Italia Conte. And I got in, but not on a scholarship. So it mean that I would have to pay to go. But um, it was around, I think it's around £30,000. And yeah, we the, we didn't have the money for that. So I auditioned um, for the Brit School, which I really wanted to get into. Now, this at the time, I, I believe it probably still is the case. It's the only government funded school. So it's the likes of Adele, Amy Winehouse. Like These are the stars that that went and came out of Brit School. So, so many more. We actually had Katie Mellier, who was in our class. And, you know, this is the, I'm not going to sing it. Oh my goodness, I was just about to sing it. And then I was like, no, you're not singing. This is the closest thing. I think it was called the closest thing to crazy I have ever seen. Or am I just literally singing the lyrics? I don't know. Google her. She was, she's, she was mega famous. So auditioned for Brit School with my best friend and we both got in, which was just incredible. And I remember it being like the best letter I have ever received in my life. That acceptance letter was just everything. And I remember us both ringing each other on our house phones. And I, I think I've got a feeling that she got her letter first and she got it. And then I, I was thinking, I haven't got it. I'm not in because I haven't received my letter. And then I got mine the following day. Or was it the other way around? I can't remember. But we both got in and we were like, this is it. And it seriously was the best three years of my life. And I want you to picture, think about, have you ever watched the movie Fame or ever seen it on a musical? That was literally like living at the Brit School. It was, you'd walk down the corridors and people are rehearsing their songs. Someone's in the corner dressed so cool, like writing a song. Someone else is tuning a guitar. Then you walk into another room and that people were doing their la, 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 all of that on the pianos. Like it was literally like that. And even like the canteen, you'd sit and it's just so cool. And you'd be sitting there and you'd be jamming. You might be writing a song with your friend or like practicing a song. Someone else is doing the splits in the corner. Someone else is rapping. And it was just normal life. Like it wasn't like, what are they doing? It's like, oh my goodness. It would be one person one might start the clicks and the claps. And then someone else starts rapping and singing. The next minute, you know, everyone in the canteen is standing up in the chairs and the table singing. Like it was just a vibe. It was, <laughs> it was so, so freaking good. I absolutely loved it. So I had the best three years. We'd done two years studying musical theatre, so dancing, acting, singing. And then the last third year was optional and we we decided to take it. Um, and it was all a kind of about business. But I'll be honest, I think even if it was about trees, we would have stayed because we just loved the Brit School so much. <laughs> we literally just would have stayed there. I'd probably be there right now. Like it was, it was just so, so good. And I think... It's incredible that it's government funded. It's also incredible, the teachers, the talent, the energy, the possibilities that can come from an incredible college like that is just amazing. So yeah, I've got very, very fond memories of it. But whilst whilst there, you know, it was, you're going for auditions, you're trying to make and carve out a life for yourself in the performing arts. And they do, they teach you about auditions. They teach you about, you know, rejections and they teach you about how to kind of 
become the best version of yourself, the best in your talent. They really do prime you for that. And I was always very aware. I'm very self-aware. And I think I've always been very self-aware of what I'm good at. And this isn't a, I was hard on myself. I was just honest with myself. I was never the Mariah Carey, never. Like that just wasn't me. However much I wanted to be, however much I would practice, that was just not me and just not the talent that I had. Now, did I know I was a good dancer? Absolutely, like that was my talent. Like I was an amazing dancer. I was really, really good. I was very passionate. I picked up things very, very quickly. I had a certain, a certain I don't know what's the word is like I just you could just tell that I just loved it when I was there and oh and then acting of course I I really enjoyed as well but dancing was like my thing like if you said to me Tash get up and sing I would have been so nervous I used to like not sleep the night before I knew I had to do an audition where it'd be singing or you know when people when um, the teacher may say, oh, listen, can someone get up? And who wants to go first? I would never, ever put my hand up, ever. And I'd be hoping it would come to the end of the class. I wouldn't even get up. That's what I would hope for. Whereas with dancing, I was always up the front. I was always put my hand up. I was always willing to teach other people. I was always willing to stay after, rehearse more. Like I just loved it. And I think that was because that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. And naturally just was really good at it. And I worked really hard to be good at it as well. Now, listen, when I say really good at a dancer, please do not think for one second I was good at ballet. Uh, 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 uh. I hated ballet. I hated ballet. Not only did I get called fat (laughs) every single time I was in a ballet class and large and all of the other words, but I just didn't enjoy it. I'm just not about structure and I'm not about it's got to be posed and it's got to be this way. I'm all about feeling and vibey and letting my creative juices flow. And I feel like with commercial dancing, you can really allow that to happen. So I really did kind of put my focus into the dancing. And I remember it was in one of the classes and we were doing split leaps across the floor. So you would do run, 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 split leap up in the air as high as you can, doing the splits up in the air. And then you you land perfectly, nicely and look like a beautiful doll as you do it. But unfortunately, this wasn't the case for me. So I was doing these split leaps on the floor and I fell. I don't know what happened, but I fell and I fell on my knee. And I got rushed to hospital and got treated for my knee. And I had months and months of physio, right, on my on my knee. Now I had I had back pain. I kept saying, I've got really bad back pain. And they were saying, no, 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 it's your knee. That's the problem area. And then the nerves going up to your back. But you know, when you just know, but you're made to believe oh, that, what do you know? You're not a doctor. And I totally get that. But I also know my own body. And it was kind of like I was looked down at because I was so young. Like, you know, at the time, I think I was around 18, 17, 18. I must have been, no, I must have been 18. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what do you know? You're just an 18 year old. Anyway, so I saved up and went to go private, to go and see a private consultant who done tests on me and diagnosed me with degenerative disc disease easy for me to say that was a slip of the tongue (laughs) um and here is where the never-ending backstory kind of starts so they put me on morphine so I went back to um my original doctors and told me and then they we kind of went down the back route and they were like oh yes I see yeah I see this and it's like 
I've just wasted six months of my life. So I um, I got put on morphine because my pain was so bad. I was in and out of hospital for like scans, appointments, physio sessions. Now at this time in my career, I just auditioned. So once you finish Brit school, you then go on to, it's like a, a university, but for, for dancers. And I auditioned for um, a very, very established, renowned dance college called Doreen Birds. And I got a place. And not only did I get a place, I got a freaking scholarship, which means that it would have been paid for. Oh, gosh. To say I was over the moon would be an absolute understatement. And in, just to give you some context here, we're talking around 20 or 30,000 pounds a year that was being paid for me to go to this dance school. And it was amazing. It was an incredible opportunity that they gave to certain very talented members of Brit School. So it was, it was just an incredible collaboration and I was just over the moon. Now, at this same time, I had then been called in to, I think it was like two days later, I'd been called into my surgeon's off, office and he said, we need to do major surgery on you and we need to do it now. Um, your disc is completely snapped and it can basically go at any time. And if it snaps and hits your spinal cord, well, we know what what could happen from that. And I was like, what? What are you telling me? And he said, and I said, but whoa, 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 whoa. So I'm going to do the, I'm going to do the operation and then I'm going to get back dancing again. So I'm just going to ask the college, the university, Doreen Birds, if they'll delay my scholarship. And he looked at me and he said, unfortunately, you will never dance again from this surgery. Oh, it's actually just giving me goosebumps now. The shock literally that went through my whole body. I, I just collapsed to the floor and I was uncontrollably crying. Oh God, like I laugh about it now because I think my poor mum, my poor mum must have thought, what the actual, <laughs> oh, I'm actually getting emotional work talking about it now. Because I remember these feelings literally as if it was yesterday. And I just thought to myself, excuse the French, but what the fuck, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, this is all I ever knew. And let's be fair, this was all I was ever good at. Like my life is over. Like, what do you mean? I can never dance again. I don't know how to do anything else. I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have a plan B that my school teachers were telling me about, you know? I hit a real, real low in my life. And at such a young age as well, I, I just didn't know what to do. I, you know, I started reading, you know, very gently positive and mindset books to kind of help. And I'd done so much research about this, this actual operation. So what it was, was a disc replacement. Now, many, many years ago, or firstly, I was the youngest um, candidate he'd ever done this on. And he'd, he'd noticed that the disc above was crumbling as well, but he didn't want to do a double replacement. He was like, no way, this is too serious enough. So he said, you know, and I'd done all my research on it and I knew there was a 2% chance that I could come out of that surgery with no pain. Now, 2%, let's be fair, if you're being logically, you're looking at that and going, it's not very high. But for me, that was everything. That was like, there's a chance that I could be out of this surgery with no pain and back dancing again. And I thought to myself, 
I can do this. Like if anybody can do this, I can do this. And I think, you know, the books definitely helped because they were kind of ingraining into me what was possible. So I went for the surgery and 12 months it took me to fully kind of recover. I was back dancing again and back performing at the Brit Awards. Freaking hell, this was it. This was my breakthrough moment. This was why I had the roller coaster ride that I did because I was going to share this story. Like life was great. I was like, yes, I'm back. I'm doing it again. My dream got taken away from me, but I'm back again and, and I've done it. And then I remember like it was yesterday. It was, mm, I think around 18 months after that. Again, the timings are very foggy, but let's just go with that. 18 months um, from me performing at the Brit Awards, I then had a car accident, which snapped the disc above. The disc that my surgeon was going to operate on and could see that it was damaged, but didn't want to do the double. That one had now snapped due to the impact of this car accident. This guy had jumped the red light, literally spun my car round to pieces. It was, I had a little silver Volkswagen Polo and I loved it. It was my absolute baby. And it span and span and span all around, upside down and down again, which snapped my disc above. So guess what? Same conversation about the surgery. But this time I was even more positive because I was like, yeah, 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 we need the disc replacement again. Yeah, yeah, I need some time out, but we're good to go. I've got the books behind me. My mindset feels in a great place. It worked before. Why would it not work again? Like, come on. Why would it not? Like as if it wouldn't. Well, it didn't. The surgery didn't work. If anything, it actually made me worse because I was in more pain. So I had to up my morphine. And I'd honestly say that I'd spiraled into like a, a deep hole of the biggest pity party you could ever possibly imagine. Like it was, it was, it was bad. I just, I just couldn't get out of why me? Why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. Why does everybody else get to do what they love to do? Why is it easier for everyone else and not me? Why, why is God universe source? Why, you know, why are you punishing me? I just, all I knew was dance. That's all I wanted to do was be a dancer. Why are you taking this away from me? And it took me a very, very, very long time to kind of get myself back up from that floor, but I did. And okay, let's skip forward now. I'm going to skip forward to kind of like the next chapter. So this is where I was like, okay, well, I can't be a professional dancer anymore. What else am I good at? Welcome the next chapter, which is girl band chapter. Of course, because this is what you do. <laughs> so I thought to myself, well, if I, if I wasn't meant to go into dance and be a dance, I could do this because you could still dance, but it wouldn't be the same, the same pressure, the same hardness and the same damage that I could be potentially putting into my back if I was a professional dancer. So we got signed to a huge record label. You know, we're talking a TV show, we're like things were looking up, right? It was, it was kind of like it was all falling into place. And in my head, I was thinking, this is why everything didn't work out before. I get it. I get it. And as I mentioned before, like, I'm going to be real with you. I'm very honest and very self-aware. I was not the Beyonce in the band. Um, 
my best friend that was in the band, you know, her voice was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like she just had the most beautiful tone to her voice. She picked up harmonies like this. She would just come very natural to her. And we used to help each other because dancing wasn't her forte. So I would help her. And then with singing, she'd really help me. She'd go, oh, no, that's not the right note, Tash. Or try this or the harmony, try this, try this. You know, so we really kind of did complement each other really, really well. So if I wasn't the Beyonce in the band, what was I? Well, I was the dancer. I would choreograph the dances. I also brought the energy, the motivation, the the kind of, come on, we've got this. And I was also the business head of it. I remember when we used to go into, I remember when we went into uh, one meeting and they were talking about signing this deal and it was like a pinch me moment. It was like, oh my goodness, like this is just, wow. And I was the one that took the contract and read it. And then I was like, guys, this is a 360 deal. And they're like, yeah, who cares? We're going to be famous. And I'm like, mm. It, it means we're tying ourselves in literally for the rest of our lives. Whatever we do, whatever money we make, they're going to make X amount percentage from it. So I was always that one that kind of would bring the strategy and the kind of the organization and, and the business side to it. And we all work, like we all really work towards like our strengths. Um, and for years in the industry, I definitely got used to the rejection, the setbacks, you know, the nose, the nose, the nose. But I'd be lying if I said to you that it didn't knock my confidence. You know, there was always that inner critic inside of my head saying I wasn't good enough for this and it wouldn't happen and that I would fail, especially when it comes to the singing. I'd literally remember being like, we'd be in rehearsals and I'm criticizing my head whilst I'm singing. And I'm like, you're going to get that wrong. You're going to get that wrong. And if you get that wrong, the girls are going to go mad, blah, 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 blah. And it would just, it would kind of a bit consume me. And I'd be like, no, come on, come on, come on, come on. So I was fighting that part of my mindset for sure. And in the meantime, all of this amazing stuff that's going on and back and forth with like, well, you know, we're hustling, we're working normal jobs as well as like being in the studio till God knows when, writing tracks, where they're meeting up in and around in between our lunch breaks and before work and after work and our weekends. Like this was our lives. I don't think we had much of social lives outside of the industry outside performing outside the girl band like because when you want something that bad you've got to give it your everything you really really do so in the meantime of all of this I was going back and forth to the hospital trying to find answers of what actually is wrong with my back so I'm still in absolute agony and I was progressively getting worse and now I had problems from what they like to call it failed surgery no it's actually called failed back so fat foot can't even speak failed back surgery syndrome I mean, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> honestly. So I was kind of keeping this on the download because I didn't want to be the complainer or the moaner or, oh, this is killing me. But, you know, it was t- it was tough. So it obviously came up as a bit of a shock then when my surgeon said that I needed more surgery, more, 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 more. And at this point, I needed a fusion, which was something he'd always spoke about from from literally my first appointment with him. But it was major surgery and there were so many complications with it and the you know there was no the the risks of it not going so well was very very high so that was always always the end result but the way I was going it was I was just progressively getting worse and something just needs to change so I then needed to have more surgery so then I needed to go and tell the band and the dreams and and at this point I was like 
okay, so I can't dance. I can't be in the band. Like, are you actually joking me? Is anything good going to happen? Because anything I felt that was good that happens in my life gets taken away from me. You know, you give me a break and then you make it so hard because then I've got to walk away. And it just felt so, 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 so hard. So I needed to have more surgery. And at this point, I was on 200 milligrams of morphine a day. A day. Which would make me fall asleep standing up. So I would be talking to you. Actually, at this point, I was modeling as well. So I just got into modeling. You know, as you do kind of the the photo shoots of like being in the band, and I'd always go for auditions when I was a dancer, but I never ever saw myself as a model. Anyway, I kind of fed into it, done some commercial modeling, and then really fed into fit modeling, which is kind of like a human mannequin. So it's where you try clothes on and then you go, oh, the armholes. And too tight, needs to come down a bit, or it's I don't really like how how low the neck is, it just feels really booby, or it doesn't feel really supportive around here, or it's too big, or basically you're kind of like a talking mannequin. I would be in, you know, in fits, falling asleep, and someone would be talking to me and they'd be like, Tash, and I'd be like, Yeah, they'd be like, You just fell asleep. And I'd be like, No, I didn't. And I would swear blind that I didn't because it's kind of like you just don't really have like kind of control over it. So, you know, it was, a, it was a hell of a lot of morphing that was taken. And the joke is, it's not even like it was making me pain-free because it wasn't. But I, I, it was like I needed that just to get out of bed, to go to work, to go to and do and like live my life. So back to the operation theatre. Um, and life switched up all over again. Because now I didn't even have the dream of being in the girl band. That got taken away from me. Um, I wasn't, obviously couldn't do dancing anymore. So now modeling. But now on top of that, I now can't work for, I think it was around eight months or six months uh, without no pay. Because I couldn't work because obviously I'd just come out of surgery. And I wouldn't be fit enough because then you have a brace and you've got to learn to kind of walk again and all of those types of things. So, you know, these were some dark times because I was just like, now what? And now, or what, what? Now you're going to take away the modeling? You know, something that I wouldn't say that I enjoyed because that would be a lie. Um, I liked the people. I loved the people. The people that I worked with, at the brands that I worked with. I worked for like brands like River Island. They were just, you know, the girls were just incredible, and the money was great. Not going to lie. But did I enjoy it? Did I feel fulfilled, sustained mentally? Absolutely not. But I was like, well, this is my livelihood now. So now you're taking this away from me. So it was tough, tough. And then on top of all of this, in the midst of all of this going on, my eight-year relationship then broke up. And not just broke up, but he done something absolutely unforgivable that I had no choice but to walk away. I actually couldn't walk away because I was because <laughs> my back but you know what I mean so I was back on the floor again and I remember I'll never forget this my sister Stephanie said to me I've got this book for you now she wasn't really into it's really weird because she really wasn't into like self-development but she was massively into books she's always been like a, a bookworm and she said to me I've got this book for you you need to read and I was like I ain't got time to read a book right I am going through the worst period of my whole entire freaking life again went back to the pity party why because <laughs> it was known it was so easy for me to moan blame everybody else 
it wasn't fair that other people were living out their dreams. It wasn't fair that other people with the dream guys that, you know, were actually good to them and, you know, were loyal and trustworthy. It wasn't fair that I got my dream taken away from me, the guy taken away from me. Everything, I felt like everything was taken away from me. There was, you know, nothing good. That's how I felt. Anyway, I read the book. And thank goodness, it absolutely saved me. It saved me. And it's the Louise L. Hay book, Change. You Can Change Your Life. And wow, did it change my life. Now, it didn't instantly make me go, oh, that's okay. I don't have any heartbreak anymore. That's okay. My back's healed. That's okay. I've just got abundance of money everywhere. That's okay. I've just found, no, 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 no. But what it did was allow me to see what I wasn't allowing myself to see before. And that was possibilities. And that was guidance and being led. So I got myself back up again from that surgery and from that heartbreak. And at this point now I was modeling full-time. I was obsessed with people doing jobs that they loved. So anybody that I was in contact with that loved their job, I would ask them about a million questions. And it was because I was on the quest to find my own. Because like I mentioned, money, you know, was great modeling. The people were great, but I didn't love it. I used to commute on the tube into London and I would be crying my eyes out thinking, is this my life? I'd be journaling about this going, this isn't fair. Like, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be living, you know, freedom lifestyle. I don't want to be going to a job that I don't like. I feel like it's taking my soul. That's how I felt. However dramatic it may sound, that is how I honestly felt. And I used to think money would solve all problems because I felt, well, this was the only reason I was going to this job was because of the money, because I needed the money. And now this is when I learned the lesson really for myself that happiness is not wealth because it doesn't, your happiness doesn't come from the money in the bank because, I mean, there's that's a whole different episode, but I had, I was earning good money from, from the modeling, yet I wasn't happy. So it doesn't matter how much money you're making and what it is that you're doing. If you're not happy, if you're not fulfilled, it's on a whole different level, a whole different quantum field of what true happiness actually is. So I always, I always loved the side of business. I always, you know, like I mentioned, reading the contracts, negotiating, those types of things. And when I was modeling, I had this idea that I would start my own modeling agency because I knew the models, I knew the industry, and I knew the brands, like I had the contacts. Like to me, I was like, this is winning. So this is where model material was birthed. I had no idea. Can I just tell you this? I had no idea how to start or run a business, like absolutely no idea. But all I kept thinking was, how hard can it be? Like how hard can it, it can't be that hard? Because lots of people are doing it. How freaking wrong was I? It was so freaking hard. Oh boy, I was up all hours. I was up at 4 a.m. so I could work on the business before I would then drive to London to model. I'd model all day. In between my breaks and in my lunch breaks, if I wasn't reading like mindset, self-help business books, I was then working on the business and then come home and I was working till late on the business. Now this would mean I'd sacrifice social nights out. I'd sacrifice events I'd sacrifice my health because I was so conditioned that the way you got success was hustle 
even if it was at the detriment of my health, my back was so sore. I'd modeled all day. All I wanted to do was have a bath and go to bed. And it, it, it took a massive, massive toll on me. And I just thought, it, like, it, is this how hard it should feel? Should it really be this freaking hard? Because on top of all of this, whilst dealing with this chronic back pain, I wasn't making any money from the actual business. It wasn't working, but I would not give up. And what happened is I got myself into more debt trying to make it work because yes, I was earning good money in modeling, but I was spending good money. Like I was living the high life. If I wanted to go out and 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 drop a grand on a bag, I would. If I would want to go and spend 900 pounds on a pair of shoes, I would. Like, Laboot on me up, okay? I was very much into the yeah, massively scarcity mindset, massively into lack mindset. I had no idea this is what it was, but that's exactly what I was. I always thought that lack mindset and, you, you know, is when you didn't have money. But if you had money, you were making money but you were trying to get rid of it so quick because you were, I was so scared it, it would just go because everything I love, see what my condition is, everything I love leaves me. That's how I felt. So I felt, felt the same with money. It didn't feel safe. I mean, I know I had a lot of work to do and I had no idea, <laughs> no idea. But anyway, that's a whole different episode. So I wasn't making any money. I was working so hard, but I felt I couldn't give it up. So I just felt, just work harder, Tash, just work harder. I mean, if only that Natasha knew what this Natasha knows now. Oh my. Alongside of this, the hustle, I was sick of the negativity on social media. Absolutely sick of it. I was like, oh gosh, everyone just seems to be moaning, not being very nice and just didn't feel like a really kind of nice place, positive place to be in. So I created my Instagram page and I called it PMA Polly, which was my nickname for my best friends. Because now I'd really got into positivity. I was like the gratitude queen. So I was following the likes of Tony Robbins, obviously Louise L. Hay in absolute awe. I just felt it was so incredible that they got paid to help people. I would love that. I would have loved that. And that's where the seed was planted. So the more I posted on social media, like this wasn't about me offering anything or selling anything. I was just trying to spread a bit of happiness, really. Sounds really cliche, but that's honestly what it was. The more I'd done this, the more I saw that people needed work on their mindset. You know, I was always the, the friend that would help people and make, they'd come away from me feeling more positive and uplifted. And I felt to myself, imagine if I could actually help them. Imagine if I could actually, no, no way. Not little old me. I mean, who would pay me? I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. I mean, I have no idea where to start. So it it was kind of like where that seed was planted with Tony Robbins, it started to kind of grow, but subconsciously. And I'll never forget this. It was an, it was early evening on Christmas day night. And we were just left my family. We we're driving to Essex to Michael's family. And he was very much like, right. So what's next year's plans for modern material? Tell me, tell me, tell me. And I took a deep breath in. And I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a coach. And there was just silence. And I was like, oh, shit. And then he turned around and he went, finally. At last. Because he'd been saying this for a while in the lead up to this. And I was like, no, don't be so ridiculous. Who's going to pay me? There's no way I could do this. And in my head, I thought, everyone's just going to see me as a joke. What? A dancer turned singer turned model turned 
started her own modeling agency that failed, inverted commas, and now wants to be a coach. I mean, stop it. Like that's how I felt. This was honestly the my the 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 negative beliefs in my head were just going absolutely wild. And he said, just do it. Just do it. And I was like, I'm doing it. I put my big girl pants on and I am doing it. And I did. That was in the December. I got my coaching qualification, I believe, in the February because I wanted to do it in the January, but they didn't have any slots. And in between this, it's really, really interesting because I'd actually been following Jeff Brazier, who was a life coach, who was talking about this lots. And I messaged him from my, obviously, PMA Poly page and just said, hey, um, I've set up my own page, sort of about positivity, and I just love the fact that you're a life coach. Like, this is incredible. Um, and then he messaged me and said, listen, I've just checked out some of your videos. Like, you're you're pretty good. Um, this was my coach. I definitely think you should get in contact with her. She'd love to work with you. So I researched her. I made a call with her. Absolutely loved her. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. When's the next one? She said, oh, we've got you, I think, in February. And I was like, oh, damn, this was, I think, in January. Um, I was so eager then. So, yeah. So then that was around, I think, the February-ish time. And I become a qualified coach. And I was charging £40 per hour. And I remember the first client that I got that paid me the £40 for that one-off hour, I felt like I'd won the lottery. Even though I was making money in my modeling, this felt like someone had just paid me a million pounds because it was something that I loved to do. I enjoyed it. I felt fulfilled. I felt finally arrived. Like That's how I'd felt. I felt like through everything I've been through, and, and and I haven't even got started in some some of the other stuff that's been going on. I'm just trying to make this as brief as possible because otherwise it's the never ending podcast and I don't want that. I don't want you to look at the time and let that put you off. But I know this was so many of you have been asking, share the story, share the story. So I'm trying to make it as short and sweet as I possibly can. So I was charging £40 an hour, living the life, absolutely loved it. Um, but it was, it was, it was hard because I was hustling, I was hearing a lot of no's, no, 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 it's too expensive. I can't afford 40 pound an hour. And being honest, I had no idea about business. So at that point, I went through the whole summer. And I think it was the end of the summer. I'd contact this coach that I was following on YouTube. I'd seen lots of her videos and I really just loved the success. And all she was talking about was, you know, six figures, six figures, six figures. And in my head, I'm like, wow. I did not know anybody in my life that was making six figures. So... I was in awe. I was like, oh my goodness, imagine like this is how I thought £40 an hour. Wow. So I remember jumping on the call and I remember her saying to me, we, we had such a great chat. It was about an hour's long. And at the end, I said, obviously, I about, asked about the price. And she said, yes, it's uh, 4999 I mean, let's just call it 5K. I was like, what? Oh my goodness. Like I fell off the chair and I was like, um, yeah, okay. I'm just, just gonna have some time to think about it. And then, and then I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then literally got off the corner. I was like, no way. I don't have 5k. There's no way I could possibly do this. This is ridiculous. I'm never going to get out of this situation. And I thought to myself, no, I can't. So I sent her uh, an email or a message the next day, just saying like, I just couldn't afford it. And she's thinking money mindset. <laughs> and I, you know, I know what, I know what she was thinking, but I didn't know it at the time. So then I carried on. I thought, no, I can just work harder. I can, I can, I can, I can do this myself. Like surely I can just Google these answers and, and find it on YouTube. And I remember I tried to go it alone. I invested into getting a website because I thought, well, that'd be 
if I've got a fancy website, that will make clients pay me more. Uh-uh. I mean, it's like red flag after red flag after red flag. And I finally messaged months later. What I'd done was I maxed out my credit card. I had two and a half K left on that. I asked my boyfriend then at the time, which is now my husband, if he'd lend me the rest, which was the hardest conversation I've ever had to do. I've been brought up with my mum really showing us about how to be an independent badass and you don't rely on a man for money. And there was me asking my boyfriend to borrow it. But I was like, this is just temporary. I, I just I just needed it. I needed it more. I, I knew where I wanted to get to. I knew where I was and I knew I couldn't do this on my own. There's no way I could have shifted my mindset, released all these limiting beliefs I had. There was no, I had no idea about the strategy, like no idea. So there's no way I could have done this on my own. You know, the, the side of like Facebook ads, funnels, algorithms. I mean, algorithm I thought was a Japanese sushi. Like I absolutely had no idea. So I joined and that's where I met my biz bestie, Luce, which was just incredible. And I really, now I look back and I go, I just wish I would have joined the program so much sooner. I wish I just literally come out from a qualified coach and jumped into a program like this where I could learn the strategy, work with a coach and learn about changing my mindset because so much would have been different. That's just me being honest. So, and ever since then, um, I learned all the things that I didn't know. You know, I learned all the strategy. I learned the Facebook ads, the funnels. I learned about algorithms. I learned all the side of business. So I continued investing into my business and all myself after this. I mean, I wish I learned the power of investing myself a lot sooner, but hindsight, hey? And I wasn't an overnight success. I was an absolute work in progress. I had tenacity. I had passion. I had drive. I had huge dreams of me making six figures. Like that was such a massive goal and drive for me. And I'll always say this. I, I say this from my girl band days that my tenacity, my drive, my passion outweighed and outworked talent. And this might be controversial, but it's true. And the reason I got jobs and the reason why, you know, I was successful in the performing arts was because of that, because of my tenacity and passion and drive, not so much because I was the Beyonce, because I was in a girl band getting signed to a record label and I wasn't the Beyonce. So I've always knew that was so powerful and really kind of gave me a leg up when it came to business because it was kind of like a no matter what. But I was, I was crippled in doubt. I was thinking in my head, how the hell could I make six figures? Like little old me, absolutely. Like, I just don't know what to do. I'm not smart enough. I'm not articulate enough. I don't dress like a coach. I'm not good with money. I'm just a normal girl from South London that has these big dreams and aspirations. So even though I'd gone through the business course and it, so I'd learned the strategy to make six figures, I didn't have the aligned belief system to make it happen. So even though I knew the strategy, the step-by-step -step to make it happen, I didn't have, I didn't believe that I actually could, me. And this is why I personally teach subconsciously shifting now because I know the power of it. Clients come to me and they've got a badass strategy, but they're not making the money that they desire to make. Why? Because of the blocks they've got subconsciously. And that's what I had. So I hired my one-on-one -on -one coach, which was an absolute game changer for me. Um, because I was able to work on my mindset. Having someone's eyes solely on me, my business, working with someone that has got to where I want to get to and in a way that I want to do it. And then I grew my business to six figures. And I'll never forget me and my biz bestie, Luce, we'd done it literally in the same calendar month, right? So she had told me at the end of that month, which I believe was the September 
believe it's September. I'd have to look at because I've actually got on a, a Verve cardboard, you know, the, the box of Verve. I've actually got it written the date and the month because what I'd done was when that was my goal, I put a bottle of Verve into my fridge and I said, you know, crack this open when you make 10K. And it was in there months, months, and month, or month, or month, or month. And Lou said, voice note me going, oh my goodness, you're never going to guess what? I've just checked my PayPal and I've just made £10,000 this month. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And we're screaming back and forth and we're like, done it, we've made it. Like it was like the pinnacle of success of everything we'd been through and everything we'd learned and all the downs and the hard times and the tears and the screams and the chucking the laptops out the windows. It was all worth it because of this. And we were screaming. And then literally the end of the following month, no, sorry, the, 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 the first week into the following month, my accountant then sends me my P&L and I look and it says at the bottom, I think it was something like 10,202 or something. I was like, oh my goodness, I've made six months. I was just, I was just over the absolute moon I'll never forget that but the problem was I had to align my belief system six figures I had to align my belief system that I could make 10k so of course I continued to invest into myself into my coach um, programs just to dive even deeper and learn and grow more I've always been someone that wants to learn and develop even now six years into business I'm always working with my coach I'm always investing into myself if there's programs and courses and events and live stuff that I can go to and be a part of and immerse myself I'm in and the more I work to myself hello my first 60k month 60,000 pound I made in one month that this is what I used to make in a whole year modeling and that was like a great year I was like, oh my God, I'm a millionaire. I made this in one month. Now this took a whole different level of mindset work, not only to get to this point, to actually make 60K, but the mindset work that I needed to do after it to actually hold this money and make it feel safe. Because if there was one strategy that would get you to six figures plus, then everyone would be doing it. Everyone would be doing the same thing. TikTok. Instagram, Reels, email, you know, email marketing. You know, everyone would be doing the same strategy. Do this one strategy, do this one funnel, do this Facebook ad, which will lead you to this and lead you to this. And if and then everyone would do it. But that's not the case. The case comes down to your belief patterns. That's what's got to come first. This is the real work. Like this is the work that's hard. It's the growth work that most people want to kind of bypass, but it's impossible because it will always catch up with you. And even for the level of mindset work that I've done, I still then hit, um, I panicked, you know, I'd hit this money and I was like, holy hell, all mindset blocks come back up again. All my money stories come back up again. Even new things, old things, like everything. It was like a massive punch in the face. And I was like, wow, this shouldn't feel like this. This should be the most incredible thing that's ever happened. And it was, I was over the moon, but I was also hit very, abruptly with a punch it was kind of like a car crash of oh my goodness what happens if I can't do this again I'm gonna fail I'm gonna be a failure people can expect this to be my my normal month so as you can hear there was there's a lot there's been a lot and it and it leads me to where I am now and now I have the most incredible amazing business that I'm absolutely obsessed with I work three days a week with my dreamy so aligned clients whilst raising the apple of my eye, Santiago. 
Come on, get emotional. Come on, get emotional again. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud that I have been able, little old me, build my business to where it is today. And I, I haven't even got started. Like where I want to take this business, the lives I want to change, I want to change millions of lives, millions of millions and millions of lives of women just like you. I want you to scale your businesses beyond your wildest freaking dreams. I'm actually going to do another episode um, later on down the line to share the point from 60k month to like now like more in depth but I just want to kind of I just want to give you an overview of like my story of and there's there's so many things I've actually forgotten but who cares it doesn't matter because there are and there will be more many twists and turns to come I mean what a juicy book this would make I know that I know you're thinking that so many people say that when I share my story like I've done on live on Facebook before and I'm like maybe one day maybe one I think there's so much more to share and tell. <laughs> so we will wait on that one. Um, but what I would love to say to you, if you're listening to this and you are at the beginning stages of your business, then I've got something for you. I want you to check out and I'll put it into the show notes for you. My build your online business course. Okay. It's a 12 week course and it will teach you about mindset, social media, and selling like the pit, the real foundations of your business to actually start it okay and then another thing I want you to look at is the tribe that's my 12-month membership which just solely works works on you mastering your mindset your money mindset and manifestation okay that's really kind of the two foundational um, programs and memberships that I think you should start with and if you are in the next stage of your business so you're making money in your business but you're looking to scale it and you're looking to scale it to like six figures then I want you to send me a DM as I feel that my one-on-one coaching packages would be amazing for you. So it doesn't matter what stage of business that you're at. I really hope from the bottom of my heart that this podcast episode, however long it's going to be now, but has inspired you, has motivated you to be like, wow. I say this to my clients, my audience all of the time. If Tash can do it, so can I. And I just want you to remember that. And when you're listening to this podcast, be like, freaking hell. I can do this because yes, you freaking can. I love you. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have sharing it with you. It's actually, I had nothing to worry about. What was I even worried or nervous about? I have no idea, but it's been, it's actually been really nice and kind of going back and reliving some of the, the memories and the moments and the emotions of them all. And how far I've come. And through all of those six years, there's been many, many times where I've wanted to give up. There's been many times where it's felt so hard, where I felt alone, where I felt like I can't do this and I want to chuck the laptop out the window. And this is why from my heart to yours, it's really important that even if it's not me that you invest in, but you invest, you invest in having a coach that's got you, that can support you and serve you. That is at a level in business that you want to get to in a way that you want to do it. I'm all about soul strategy. I'm all about alignment. I'm all about mastering your subconscious blocks and then adding the soul strategy to that. I'm not about hustle and work harder and don't sleep. And I'm not about that vibe. So if that is you, I'm not the right coach for you. But being around a circle of other badasses 
is so, so important. And that is why I love my group programs, that Conscious Coach, because being surrounded by that energy and that collectiveness of other women that are on the same journey as you and wanting to support you and cheerlead you is the best freaking thing ever because we're not conditioned for this. We're not conditioned to support and serve and cheerlead. We're conditioned to see other people as competition. They're doing better than me. So it means that I'm not good enough and all of this palaver. So instead, what I want you to do is look at yourself or where you are right now, where you need help, check out the show notes and take the aligned action. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tash Talks podcast. Do not forget to hit the follow button so that you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, then please do share it with your friends who need to hear this and come on over and tag me over on Instagram. It's at Natasha Clark Coaching. It would mean the absolute world to me if you left me a review. This means that I can get this podcast out to as many badasses as I possibly can. And as a thank you from my heart to yours, I would love to send you a gift. So make sure you take a screenshot of your review and send it over to my team, which is help at natashaclarkcoaching.com. I cannot wait to see you in the next episode. And remember, you are a freaking badass.